You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Dan. Technology is awesome. We're going to talk about that today, actually, a little bit. We're going to be in John 14. We're continuing on with John, if you'll open up to there, and, and we'll read from there in a minute. So I had a question for you. How many of you guys are young enough that you've never had to use a paper map to find somewhere? Never have used it. Never used a paper map. Come on, man. Really? All right, so I'm, I'm shocked. Okay. I really thought we'd have some folks that scoffed at that idea. Well, a different story then. Okay, anyway. we uh, Paper maps are obviously obsolete. I finally got rid of my last paper map uh, three or four years ago. My wife was um, helping me clean out my desk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got my first car when I was a sophomore. In between my uh, freshman and sophomore years of college, I went to UAlbany here. So... I got a map of Albany to figure out where I was going when I was here, and I've had it since, and it was, it was due. It was in two or three pieces. It had been folded a few times. But yeah, we finally purged our house of paper maps because everybody lives on, you know, probably Google Maps or some variant thereof. So I had an adventure, uh, talking about this, I had an adventure this past weekend. Uh, my family packed into our 15-passenger van, 11 of us, and a whole bunch of stuff, and we went to visit my daughter in Rochester, actually not her, but her in-laws. They have a farm. It's awesome. It's a great time. We really like the family. It was going to be a great time, except it's a four-hour drive, and at around two hours, you do the math halfway, right? Chug, chug, done, right, on the side of the road. What a day. All right, so I called uh, my son David to grab our minivan to come get some of us. Obviously, we wouldn't all fit. I called my dad to bring his truck so some of the rest of us and all our stuff could fit. Um, David actually taught me something about technology, right? As, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I have no idea where I am. I know where I'm on. That's all I knew. I wasn't even driving. My son was driving. So I have no idea what happened at all, right? We're just going, oh, we're dead. And uh, David, you know, on the blue dot, hold your finger down, makes a pin. You can send the pin. I'll know where you are. Boom, done. He knew where we were. Called my dad. What mile marker are you at? <laughs> now, I know what they are, right? But who looks at those things? I don't know. <laughs> what, what exit are you near? Don't know that either. I wasn't driving. I have no clue. <laughs> How am I supposed to? I, 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 David sent me this thing. It, it, I sent it to him. I just sent it to you. You click on it. You can get right to us. I'll call you when I get close. All right? <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> anyway, so that goes on, right? So we waited forever and ever and uh, got a tow truck to come get us. And I, I waited to call the tow truck because I didn't know I wanted those guys to be close so the 11 of us wouldn't be sitting inside of the highway call the tow truck. He's like, no, we'll take you off in your van. I'm like, really? That's weird. I never heard of that before. So adventure of a lifetime, right? We got towed up like on a roller coaster, up on the flatbed, all of us in the van. I got a video of it. I didn't put it here because it isn't a good video. Chug, chug up, boom. And there we are driving down the highway on, on the back of the flatbed in the van. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Nuts. So I'm talking to how my, I got people coming. Give them the address, told me the address, they can just come there. Okay, great, good. Texted David, give him the address, no problem. He's, he's good to go. My dad, well, what X are you getting off on? I'm still sitting on the side of the road. I don't know. <laughs> I was in the same place I was when you called me before. Well, let me know. So I told him when we got off the exit. All right, and then we got to the place, and I had kept track of where I was going. But it was, you know, 14 different turns. I wasn't going to be able to tell him for sure what was going on. I'm like, I sent you the address. Just follow it. He's still, I don't know where he was. He was off down. He was down there. He's actually on the right road, but he went the wrong way. He called me up again. I don't know where I am. Put the truck driver on. He'll give me directions. He wanted that turn-by-turn -turn directions. He didn't trust or was not able to use the technology. I don't know which it is. Whatever it was, it was. 
So he wanted exact directions to get where he was going. And that was not too helpful coming from me who didn't know where I was going. Okay? What we're going to see today is Jesus talking to his disciples. They wanted some exact directions, and he wasn't going to give it to them either. So let's take a look at John 14. See uh, some interesting discussion of Jesus and his disciples. Actually, as I was looking at this, it occurred to me that Jesus, in his last discussion with his disciples, was really sharing the gospel with them. When I looked at the big picture, he, he was telling them all the stuff they needed to know, both for their own personal situation, but also on how to deal with folks as they were going to go out and do what he asked them to do. So let's take a look at that. I'm going to read it in chunks here. The first chunk uh, is verse 1 through 3. And what you'll see here is Jesus leads off with the best stuff. He leads off with eternal hope. Okay. So in verse 1 through 3, uh, Jesus said to them, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and, go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that you, may, that you, I'm sorry, that where I am you may be also. Okay? So this is actually a continuing conversation. It's the night of the Last Supper. Jesus has just washed their feet. We, we looked at that last week. Peter has just said, I want to go where you're going. And Jesus told him, you're not going to make it, right? You're, the rooster is going to crow and you're going to deny me. So Jesus is still in that conversation. And this is really his answer to Peter, too, as he's talking, okay? Um, the, the, this guy's, this is the heart of our faith, right? The fact that we're going to go be with him. Without that, Paul said, we hope in vain, right? If we don't have this, we hope for nothing. We believe in vain, I think is what he said, actually. Um, it, it's just nothing, nothing to hope for. This is what we're all hoping and waiting for. This is the, the payoff to the gospel, right? That time to be with him forever in peace, absent from sin, all that stuff. And he's, he's telling them, guys, this is what's going on. Uh, remember, he, this is the last time he's going to talk to them. They don't know what he knows. They don't know that they're going to go through that what just happened here when Jesus just got killed moment. And he, he's preparing them to handle that. Okay, And the, the idea is that uh, if you're going to follow Jesus, this has to be the thing that gives you hope. If, if you don't have that, all the other stuff that goes on in the world it's not worth anything, right? So he's, he's, he's starting off with the big, the big red apple to grab out of there. A little bit of uh, discussion about what he's saying to them exactly I think is worth talking about too. He talks about, I'm, I'm, uh, my father's house, there are many rooms. Older translations would say there are many mansions. You may have heard that. There's some songs that say that sometimes, some kids' songs. Um, it was a cultural thing. The, uh, the tradition in that culture was that families would stay together for generations, right? The, 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 the children, as they married, would often take in, be taken into the home and given a, a portion of the home as their own to, to live in. That's what he's talking about there. Uh, we no longer do that generally. I guess it, I'd be in real trouble if that happened in my house. I don't, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be leaving, I think. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was expected. And think about that. What he was telling him is, guys, you're coming home. I'm going to get ready, and you're coming home. Right? And think about that. Jesus, who they knew so well, and, and he talks about how well they know him. He tells them, I'm going to take care of this for you, and I'm coming back for you. Right? You can't go where I'm going right now, but I'm coming back for you, and you can count on that. That's a good word. Right? Think about all the people you know in life. Some are more reliable than others. Think about the most responsible, reliable people you know. Give you a second. And they've disappointed you at some point, I'm sure. Right? That, we do that to each other. Even the most reliable people forget stuff, mess up, make mistakes, stuff like that. Not this guy, right? We got our Savior. He's not messing up, and he's coming back. 
what he's telling them, guys, no matter what's going on, nothing changes the end of this game. We win, and I'm coming to get you. Right? That's a great way to lead off the conversation. You don't think about it. So we have eternal hope, and this is Jesus trying to give his last, honestly, it's his last, think about it, the last calm, peaceful, everybody's together discussion they're going to have. And then all chaos breaks out after this. So this is essentially Jesus' last words to his disciples. And, and that's what he's telling them. We got this covered. Trust me. Okay. The next, the next, phrase, of, or the next phase of his thinking here, as he goes on, is uh, verses 4 through 7. And he's telling us something, and telling disciples something that's going to be a pretty unpopular thought in our day. He's saying this is an exclusive idea, guys. This isn't whatever you want to do. There's an exclusive way to do this. In uh, verse 4, I'm going to read, verse 4 to 7. He says, and, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay, Thomas's question here is a very important one. I'm going to actually cover it in a minute. I want to get right to Jesus' response, because it's one of the most famous responses in the Bible, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. This piece of the gospel that Jesus is getting across to them, it, Jesus is telling them that it, the only way to have that room in my Father's house, right, is to have the same intimate knowledge of me that I have with my Father, right? You need to surrender to me and give yourself to me so that you know me as well as my Father knows me, and you will know the Father, right? That's, that's what he's telling them. And that's a very exclusive thing. I am the way to do this. Now, I'm not a grammar slob, and I'm not a snob. I'm a slob in many ways. I'm not a grammar snob, and I'm not a Greek expert. But looking into this, and I've actually heard this for a long time from many people who know this stuff, that is a, it's called a definite article. It is literally like in our language, the versus a, right? He is the way, not a way. There's no debating. That's it. There's only one. Okay, and, and that's an exclusive thing. And our, our culture lives in a, in a promotion of DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. Right? If you're in education, you pounded with this stuff. Um, this is not a popular thought that there can only be one way to do it. And if you don't like it, hit the road. Right? That, that, that isn't how the world works in many people's eyes. Um, but this is what Jesus is saying. Now, guys, I'll say this about that stuff in society. There's some merits to some things that are said. Our country has had some issues, and we should address some things. There's, there's, there's stuff that uh, I don't want to dismiss, in other words. There's some validity there. Uh, methods, goals, priorities, that's the discussion we need to have. But I should, we shouldn't just discard that as stupid. Okay? That, that are, there is some, there's some merit to some of those things. But in a spiritual world where we're talking about how to know Jesus, there's no room for it. Not at all. It's just unapologetically. Jesus isn't even playing here. He's not trying to make anybody feel better. I'm not trying to be mean, but that's just the reality of it, right? Jesus is the only way. Um, it, there, there's no possibility that all roads lead, or all paths lead to the same God. All religions don't lead to, to the same. There's what Jesus is saying here, and that's it. Many religions don't make that claim, right? There are some, certainly. There, there are definitely some religions that would say we are the only way, but many don't, especially in modern thinking. Many people have the whatever works for you kind of thing, and you know, don't, don't tell me I'm wrong, I won't tell you wrong kind of stuff. And that's just not the way it is, right? That's not the way Jesus is looking at it. It's not possible to live that way. And to, to know him, okay? It, 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 let me retract. It is possible to live that way, but you're not going to know Jesus if you do. Okay, that, that's not possible. 
Um, in fact, what happens with this conversation typically, if you, if you go down this road with folks, um, you usually end up in the place where what about the people who never heard about Jesus? It's not fair that they can't go to heaven because they don't know Jesus, right? If you're making that the condition. Very common question. Um, and, and I would say to a couple of things there, that's typically, because this is, I, I'm bringing this out because this is Jesus sharing the gospel with his disciples, so then go do it with other people. I'm trying to help you cope with some of those ideas as they come at you as well, right? As you're trying to share with people, these things will come up. Typically, that's honestly a diversion from themselves, right? That, that, that's usually where it ends up. But let's give them at least benefit of the doubt for a second. That, you know, let's answer that question. So the way I look at it is that God has told us very clearly he wants people to know him, right? We know that God is able to make that happen. It's not like he's handcuffed in some way. So what, what I would say is I look at Hebrews 11 here. In Hebrews 11 it says, if you believe that God exists and you seek after him, you will be rewarded. My understanding there from the context and from just the rest of the Bible, one of, if not the best reward out of that, is he will find him and you will get an opportunity to surrender to him. Right? I, I don't believe that God will let anybody languish that wants to know him and not be able to, to hear about Jesus. Missionaries go out all kinds of weird places, right? And you, you find people going to all kinds, and that's one of the, one of the uh, groups that we partner with, the Interma International Mission Board, their purpose is to go to people groups who haven't heard this before so that they get the chance. Okay? So it, it, it's my firm belief that that is a question that uh, is a fair one to the person who hasn't thought through all these things. But once you understand who God is, it, it, it will be answered. And, and when you raise that specter of fairness, it's not fair because, therefore, I won't follow. You're basically just trying to sit in judgment on God and tell him because you're not doing the things the way I think you should. I'm not going to trust you. And that's all a smokescreen for that kind of thought, honestly, most of the time. Right? An honest person asking an honest question that has a heart for hearing what the Bible says and who Jesus is will hear the answer I just gave you and at least pause and think and, and consider that that's a possibility. And then what you do is say, now, how about you? Right? Because that isn't the issue now, how about you? Because you just heard. And that, that, that's kind of the, the way that, that can be managed. So it is exclusive. I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't apologize for that either, but it's a hard sell in this world. It's a hard sell, okay? The people don't want to hear that. So Jesus told them about eternal hope, and he's telling them, guys, this is it. I'm the exclusive way to it. And then he transitions, and I'm going to go back and talk about what Thomas said now. He, he now tells us we're enabled, um, but without the explanation we might want. Okay, that, that's the thing. So I'm going to go back to verse 5, what Thomas said, and then I'm going to read forward from verse 8 through 11. So in verse 5, Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And then in verse 8, Philip says, or Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Right? So this is the part of the gospel where Jesus tells them that uh, your works are not what save you. You can't do anything about it. You have to trust me and my Father to take care of you. That, that's, that's what Jesus is telling them. Now, Thomas's question is another famous question, right? You know, we don't know how we're supposed to follow if we don't know. 
Uh, one of the things I want to point out here is Thomas, this wasn't, wasn't asked out of fear. You know, he's called Doubting Thomas, right? It, it wasn't asked out of fear. Uh, he was very willing when, if you remember back to the Lazarus story, um, Jesus was going to walk to where Lazarus was, and it was a danger to him. People were already trying to kill him. And Thomas was the one that said, well, let's go with him and get killed if that's what's going to happen. So Thomas isn't afraid here. He's just questioning. He's doubting. Okay? And uh, Philip himself, both of these guys, they're just kind of asking questions. Thomas is more direct. Hey, we don't know. Tell us the way. We'll do it. Philip's like, well, show us the Father, and then we can do it, right? Um, they're both in their own way asking Jesus for a roadmap, kind of like my dad was asking for turn-by-turn -turn directions. They want to know what's the checklist for how to get to Jesus. How do we, what, what do we have to do to make ourselves right with God so we can do this? They still, after all those years, didn't get it that it was all on Jesus, not on them. And Jesus is telling them that, right? He's, he's, um, he, he's trying to help them see that it has nothing to do with what they do. Their salvation situation, their, that eternal hope that they're having, had nothing to do with how they were going to know what to do to, to follow him. There is no explanation for that. There's no turn-by-turn -turn directions, no recipe, no checklist, nothing. You've got to trust Jesus. And you've got to trust what he says and then what he did, right? I was just talking to one of my, my kids about this, the, the power of, of the miracles that Jesus did. Jesus, and we talked about it earlier in John too, right? Jesus said, if I testified to myself, yeah, that's not much, right? But you've got others testifying to my father did, right? And he, my father said, from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, Oh, okay, right? But then he's doing all these things, all these, all these works. If you don't believe what I'm saying, at least see what I'm doing. See what God's doing through me is really what he's saying. You've seen my father and what's going on. So we, we have to um, hear from that, that as trying to follow Jesus, when we get ourselves in that place of trying to find that checklist and trying to justify ourselves, that's really what it boils down to, right? Trying to make ourselves right because of what we've done. It's not going to work. It's actually counterproductive because you're, you're interfering with what God's trying to do. So, um, again, as you're sharing the gospel, people, this is, boy, this is probably one of the biggest hurdles to overcome is people trying to, to make themselves right with God. That's what most other religions in the world are built on is people trying to do things that make them right with God. So uh, it's Jesus sharing with his, guys, listen, these are people, these are his intimate friends. Three years he's spent with them. The, you know, imagine spending three years Sean's gone on a camping trip for two weeks. I, I bet after that, they'll be glad they have some separate rooms in the house, right? It'll be, <laughs> be a little bit of time, away time. It'll be okay, right? Three years he spent with these guys basically doing that, walking around camping and stuff like that. They knew each other so well. And even then, some of these guys didn't get it. Probably all of them. I don't know. We, we don't know for sure how that all stands. But it was hard for them to understand. As you're sharing with other people, as you're thinking about it for yourself, it's hard to follow that idea that we don't give to get. Right? It's, I use, it's not transactional. It, it is a gift from him only. That's all we got. So um, as that becomes clear, right? It, it's then Jesus is winding down now with, with his, his piece here. He's going to transition. The ne next week is going to give us a, a totally different looking forward kind of thing. This is, this is Jesus just reiterating to his disciples basically what he's done for the last three years. Um, the last section that, that he shares here, is he tells us that we are empowered, but we have an example in that. Okay, I'm going to read verses 12 through 14. In verse 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. 
Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So I, I, I don't have any scientific data on this. I haven't done any polls. This is just me off the top of my head. But I bet this is one of the most misinterpreted or abused passages in Scripture. Okay? Particularly, people skip past verse 12 and jump right into verse 13 and 14. The, the gimme part, right? That, that's there. Um, guys, this isn't a blank check. Right? There, there are folks who teach that God wants you to be healthy and prosperous and everything's great and nothing can ever go wrong and if it does it's because you're not praying hard enough you don't have enough faith and stuff of that nature and that's not good stuff to hear and it's not good stuff to say it's not true straight not true okay um, God has a lot of things in mind for us and he knows what he's doing and our our definition of the way things should be is usually pretty flawed so keep that in mind when people are talking about that verse in this context right this verse in that context it's not a blank check. In fact, I think it's a call to action and responsibility if you want to really think about this, right? Look at verse 13 there. He's saying, you're going to do stuff. You're going to do stuff greater than I did. That's pretty impressive to hear that coming from Jesus. And he's got in mind for us to exceed what he did here on earth. And you know, I don't know what that means. Most of us aren't working miracles. I think that's what most of us think about are the great things he did that way. But a good explanation of what he meant is that these 11 guys, because Judas has already hit the road, these 11 guys are going to be responsible for the gospel going throughout the world, right? That, that's what they're going to do. That's greater than what he did. He got to influence a few folks in Israel for a few years. Big influence, no doubt. And these guys changed the world. He took those guys that nobody thought anything of, and he told them, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to use you to change the world. I think that's what he's referring to when he's saying they're doing the greater works, that he, they're going to do greater works than he did. I don't know. But that's speculation. Um, that's, that's the point of what he's saying here. It has nothing to do with, you know, ask what you want and you'll get it. That's not, not his point. Um, in fact, I, I think what he's saying here is I'm going to give you the ability to do that. Right? If you ask for what you need to do with the job I'm giving you, I'm going to make sure you have it. And that, that's the gist of what he's saying here. Um, most, of people, most people that misinterpret this and or abuse it, they skip past the you've got to do stuff part into the ask and you'll get part. The gimme, 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 right? Um, you know, as you might imagine, I might be in the market for some new vehicles here soon. Both of mine are pretty old. And it is not my place to say, hey, God, I could use a brand new minivan. That'd be awesome. Give it up. Jesus, I'm asking in your name. Not how it works, right? That's not the game. It's a total game you're doing that. Um, what, he's at, what he's telling us, guys, is as you're doing the things that I've called you to do, these greater works, when you need stuff, ask for it, right? Ask for the ability to do what you're supposed to do. Ask for wisdom on how to do it, right? And then you'll be able to do the job I told you to do, not to make yourself fat and happy, right? That's not the point. Um, so this is the part of the gospel, what he's telling them is, we get to serve him. That, that's the... the the, the process here is once you understand and surrender and you know you're not doing anything, now you get to serve him for the rest of your life. And he's going to empower you to do all that stuff. And he left us an example. He said, ask these things in my name. Right? He didn't say, whatever you think of doing, do it. Right? Ask him in my name. Now, that was a cultural thing also. It, it still probably would hold water. We'd probably say it differently today. But when you had the authority to say something in someone's name, it was as if you said it. The example, we, you, I can't remember what gospel it's in, I didn't look it up, but the centurion comes to Jesus and asks him to heal his 
child, I think it was, or a servant, I can't remember. Um, but Jesus said, all right, I'll come. No, no, you have authority. You just say it and it'll happen. That, that's the idea that Jesus is sharing here. If the person in authority says it, with, you know, he gives you the authority to do something in his name, it's already done. You might as well just assume that. So that, that's when he's saying in his name, he's saying, you have my authority to do it. With that comes the responsibility to do what he would do, right? If, you know, Centurion goes in the emperor's name and starts doing stuff that's incorrect, Centurion's going to be minus ahead real soon, right? That's what's going to happen. So this isn't how it works. So years ago, there was, uh, I'll call it a fad, I guess, the bracelets and things, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Became a joke and people mocked it. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't care either way with it. But as I'm thinking about this today, I'm like, you know, that's actually a really good question to ask yourself. What would Jesus do here? That's probably a good way to start the conversation when you're trying to think about what to do. How would he act? How would he behave? What do he want you to do in this situation? You know, so when we say, I'm going to ask something in his name, would he ask that? Would he ask that of the Father? Right? That, that's a legitimate thought to think there. Um, so I, but I said, hey, let's consider the things he asked the Father. Let's consider the things he told us to pray. Let's consider the things he told us to do. And as soon as I started thinking about that, the first thing that came to my mind, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Are you praying that? Because he did. Right? That, that's like, who, who can do that? Hanging on a cross, looking at the people who killed him, mocking him, scorning him, people he knew he was going to save. Right? Who can do that? That's, that's ridiculous. But in the, um, in the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, commonly called the Lord's Prayer, he told them, pray to the Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And in the older versions, that was forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is important to Jesus that we have that in our hearts. So when you're praying, you ought to be praying that in his name, right? You ought to be considering that. In that same prayer, give us this day our daily bread, right? Not our retirement nest egg, not our new car, new house, whatever other thing. Give us what we need today, Lord, right? Give us what we need today. That's a legitimate ask. It's okay to do that. You're not being greedy, okay? He provided for the Israelites daily, right? People got greedy, took too much manna, more for tomorrow because they were worried, turned into stink. It's no good, right? Asking for your daily bread is a legitimate thing, so pray for that. That's a good thing to pray for in his name. Especially as you're trying to do the things you need to do to serve him. It's legitimate stuff, right? A couple others, I could do this all day, but a couple others I, I, I thought of as I was doing this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Are you praying that when things are wacky? I don't think I was praying that when I was sitting on the roadside with a dead van. Probably should have. I will say... I really do think that my kids, I, I'm so happy with, I, I meant to tell them all, some of them are here today, uh, they handled it so well. They had that attitude, I think. I don't know, I didn't. I was not cranky, but it was a bad day, right? I should have been praying this. Today will take care of itself. Tomorrow will come, okay? Last one. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have, will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When things are tough, have peace. It's a hard thing to do. This is not realistic to most of us most times when things are tough. That's what he wants us to do because he's overcome the world. Again, ain't nothing going to change how this game ends, guys. He's got it. Keep that in mind. So to wrap up here, he shared the pieces of the gospel that you should be sharing with folks if you're going to share it. There's eternal hope. Right? He's the only way. It's exclusive. Can't make your own way through it. We have an ability to do it. We are enabled to do it by him. But, man, we don't get an explanation. You just got to trust him. 
and we're empowered to live for him afterwards, but he's the example. Okay, there's one piece missing out of that that he didn't share with him. The fact that people start off as unrighteous in God's eyes, right? We're sinners. We're not right. We're, we start that way. He didn't, he didn't share that with them. As I said, he'd been with them for three years. I'm thinking they probably knew. <laughs> A pretty good bet they had an idea of how, how off they were. I mean, Peter exemplified that. As soon as Jesus got all the fish in his boat, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man, right? He knew that. So that part's part of it, too. He just didn't have to share it with him in this, in this section. So as I call the worship team up, I, just, I want everybody to, to ponder these things wherever you're at in your walk with Jesus, right? You've got you know, folks here that may never even heard this before. You've got folks that may just be testing the waters, folks who've been in a little bit. You know, everywhere in there, there, there's a stage that we have to surrender to him a little bit more than we have already and keep serving him with the power he's given us. I neglected to mention, but in, in this last section, next week, Jesus promises him about the Holy Spirit, and we got that too. That you just didn't, I didn't, we didn't get to it this week. That's another way that we're going to be enabled to do what we need to do. So as you're going forward here, I hope those things resonate with you. Let me pray for us, and we'll, we'll call it a day. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Jesus sharing so patiently with his disciples. Lord, I, I pray that we can hear. Uh, we didn't have the benefit of three years with him, but we do have his written word from many different authors, and we have the other uh, folks that you inspired to share with us in, in your word. Lord, and we pray that it would touch our hearts and help us to know you better from whatever, whatever place we are, that we move closer to you each day. In Jesus' name, amen.